0: BELL <laughs> Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the TV shows that created the collective unconscious of those who want a fake goose feather trench coat. I'm Hannah Leach, a writer, musician, audio producer, and utterly confused about what was considered fat in 2005. And I'm Audrey Leach,
1: director, editor, producer, and member of Boys in Motion. <laughs> we are the sister duo, also known as Two Pink Productions, and we haven't stopped thinking about these on-screen experiences since we first
0: We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the media that first inspired our love for pop culture in an attempt to answer the question, is this stuff actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if it is?
1: Today we are talking about the Disney Channel's That's So Raven. Let's go. You could gaze into the
2: future.
0: Looks great and everything's
2: gonna change. I can see. like can see. That's all right, it's so me. Yeah. Yep, that's me.
0: Hello, hello, dear listeners. I am recording. From my Chicago apartment today for the very first time. Very exciting.
1: And I'm recording from the,
0: the same apartment as last week. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. So video viewers, you can see I have my makeup table set up. That's basically the only thing I have fully set up. But, you know, first things first. I ordered a pink... L-shaped, like, gamer desk. And I ordered one of those boom, like, like tabletop boom things. So I am never going to have to reset up my shit ever again after that. And I'm really excited. I've been having a really good time. I'm really excited to be here. New eras for both of us. Uh, it's all good times. And also, knock on wood, this is my first time using our Wi-Fi for anything this hefty. So wish me luck on that front.
1: And instead of doing question for the culture. The culture is super sick right now. It's actually really bad, period. The other day I asked on our Instagram story, if you had any questions for us, Q and A moment. And I got some good ones. So the first one is from Becky and she asked what are your next creative projects outside of the pod? And that is such a funny question because it's like the number one question that I feel like most creatives are asking themselves. Yeah. <laughs> which is like in this climate what can really be done?
0: <laughs> like yeah. But- Well, I have a couple things I could say. It's nothing, it's not a Two Pink Productions collab, but we're like 80% of the way through recording a new album with my band. So that should exist before too long. It's going to be really good. What our end game is, I have absolutely no idea. And then since I started moving, I've been putting in a lot of effort to like record a lot of, sound, like conversations, background noise, things like that. And I want to try to create something out of that. And then lastly, my cousin Erin and her friend Morgan invited me to be in like a little writer's group thing. And I pushed myself last night to try to write like a memoir style thing, which I haven't done in a really long time, but I really like writing about things that have actually happened in my life. So I'm trying new things. And that is exciting to me because I haven't done that in a really long time because my job was sucking me dry.
1: So many things. I feel feel like I have like 45 things in my head and then maybe like five things that are actually happening or in the Mm -hmm. process of happening. Um, One aspect is just that I'm always editing different things. A lot of times it's like music video stuff or like commercial type stuff or, yeah, I'm doing like more fun things now than I was also when I had a full-time job. But that and then I'm still in the midst of producing with Hunter, his film that he wrote and directed called From the Flesh, which we actually found out this morning got into another Film festival, so that's fun. I would
0: say another creative project we are experiencing outside of the pod is kindling our new lives in new places in our mind's eye with our creative approach. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I like that. I think that's valid. Yeah. Oh, interior decorating.
1: There you go. That's what I'm saying. There are some ideas and things that we had going that died and that may or may not be revived, but we'll
0: see. Yes.
1: Also, we we used to talk about potentially adapting your play and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, so that's true. That's not know. off the table. Not off the table. We're entering a new season of life, so mm-hmm. we will see what happens. But thank you for asking that, Becky. That's so nice. Yeah. I'm glad you are curious. So this
1: comes from Kirk. I have no idea if we're right or wrong with this, but he said, F Mary Kill Gordo, Darren, Aiden. Which when I first read that, I was like, what could that mean? Gordo, obviously Lizzie McGuire, right? Darren, mm-hmm. asshole told by ginger, I would assume. And we Aiden. Think, yeah. Aiden is the only the only person named Aiden in anything we've covered is Sex in the City. So maybe That is it. I think that's it. But two of those people are children, and one of them is a middle-aged. Okay, okay,
0: okay. (laughs) Suspend your disbelief with the age thing. Let's talk conceptually.
1: I guess... mm, I kind of stand Darren. Um, Same. Maybe it's like Mary Darren, F. Aiden Kilgordo. (laughs)
0: I think I actually agree with that 100%. I don't like Gordo and I don't care about Gordo.
1: I like him but like I did we didn't he didn't really get to grow up enough for me to like not see him as a, a little baby uh, okay next from vegan fries on Instagram. what are your favorite things to watch on YouTube <laughs> or must watch YouTuber Oh boy. I, you know what, I think it might be a little bit embarrassing how much YouTube I still watch in the year 2023. A lot of people go to TikTok for that kind of mindless entertainment, but I'm still a YouTube girl, even though the things that show up on the subscription feed are so much worse than they used to be because they put shorts on your subscription feed because they're trying to mimic like a TikTok effect and, you know, mm-hmm. how they have reels. Like if you go on the app on your phone, it's more like TikTok. I don't give a shit about that. I like yeah. long form, numb my brain content. I don't want to have to be, I don't want to have to actively be scrolling,
0: you know? Same, same. We're on the exact same page with that. Okay, well, we got to kick it off with ASMR. Can't ignore yeah. that. So, good night, Moon and Gentle Whispering are my faves hmm Also, this girl Oceana, I just started watching. You just You know what that walk- is? You just started ju- watching walk- because I just got the Aquamarine one. Like said. Did you not?
1: I started watching her channel when I was like probably twenty.
0: Whoa. Otherwise, oh, okay. There's this guy that Josh and I love. His channel is called Any Austin. And he does this thing where he goes around highly populated towns in different video games and conducts an unemployment report. So he goes around and he tries to figure out if, like, he'll walk up to a character and be like, do they have a job or not? And try to, like, crack the code. And those are really enjoyable.
1: Well, there's, like, the video essayists that mm-hmm. I watch a lot. And I'll even, like, rewatch their videos just to, like, listen better or whatever. Like, Yara Zaid, who's been on our podcast. ContraPoints videos I really do enjoy because they're so well-made and, like, researched and just— I love it when people explain to me things that yes. <laughs> I might understand from a surface level, but I don't— I haven't done the deep dive on, so I enjoy that. Yes. We also need to shout out the Disney YouTubers.
0: Oh, yes, yes, yes. So Defunct Land, yeah. Poseidon Entertainment. Mm-hmm. I also, I don't know if you watch this, Audrey. I used to watch like a shitload of Disney food blog for no reason. Did you ever watch that know. channel?
1: I mean, probably like, like years
0: ago, but Yeah. Recently. I have no intention to go to Disney anytime soon. And yet it's like Go in the middle of April to get the beignet from the New Orleans Square. You won't regret it. It is yeah. like a like top 10 best springtime foods or something. And I am not going, but I just watch it for some reason.
1: The answer is there's tons. I yes. still watch a lot of YouTubers, and I've also noticed like a really cute resurgence of. Youtubers that got really popular like ten years ago, coming back to their channels that have been desolate for a few years, and just doing yeah. like life updates and stuff—it's very cute. Yeah,
0: you know who I think about sometimes? Michelle Phan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was such a Michelle Phan girl in like early high school. Like I remember, I was there when like the Bad Romance tutorial mm-hmm. dropped. Me like, too. ugh. Yeah, the low de- the low def of it all it was so good.
1: We've got a bunch more questions, <sighs> but we're just gonna make them last for a few weeks because why not? Yes,
0: it's time to talk about That's So Raven, which has a lot of interesting stuff to discuss. So I'm looking forward to talking about it today. That's So Raven premiered on January 17th, 2003 on the Disney Channel and it ended on November 10th, 2007. There were four seasons and 100 episodes and actually That's So Raven made history as the first Disney Channel show ever to get 100 episodes. Up until this point, it was a 64 episode cutoff, interestingly. And each episode was 22 to 24 minutes long. The show was produced for the Disney Channel by McNamara Brookwell Entertainment. Sean McNamara and David Brookwell collaborated on Even Stevens, That's So Raven, Just for Kicks, the Even Stevens movie, Raise Your Voice, classic, Bring It On, Fight to the Finish, and much more stuff that was like a little bit past our time.
1: Well, do you remember Sean McNamara directed the Bratz movie, the live action?
0: I did not remember that off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also,
1: I heard a really interesting fun fact the other day that you all, you might have seen it too, but this is really relevant, which is, okay, so do you remember when Hannah Montana got to the fourth season and they renamed it Hannah Montana Forever in Disney Channel contracts? It became a thing that if you go past three seasons, all of the actors would then be required to be paid to scale under the same like programming title, there'd be a huge pay increase. And so, what when we thought that Hannah Montana Forever or the retitling had anything to do with like making it special for the last season, it actually was about not paying them more. They did the same thing with Live and Maddie, which was Dove Cameron's show. They've done it several times, but I think that that became a thing after that. So Raven, because I, this is all completely speculation, but. I could see them getting to a fourth season of That's So Raven, everyone getting substantially more money, and then them kind of being like, we don't want to do that again. Like something along those lines of like, let's cut the costs of this,
0: because none of their shows usually go to a fourth season. Okay, and lastly, Dennis Rinsler and Mark Warren were also a producing duo on That's So Raven. They were the team behind Full House, Even Stevens, and Corey in the House. So Even Stevens was really like the overarching thing between all these men and That So Raven, obviously.
1: Okay, synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes. No ordinary teenager, Raven Baxter can see glimpses of the future, watch her schemes and misadventures as she enlists the help of friends, including best friends, Eddie and Chelsea, to change life's little outcomes. Raven's (laughs) younger brother, Corey, is obsessed with money and creates get-rich-quick schemes to try to earn cash. That's not all he does. Dang. Uh, I know. <laughs> that's so minimizing. <laughs> Common Sense Media gives that Sir Raven three out of five stars. That's kind of rude. Mm-hmm. Appropriate for ages eight and up, parents need to know that Raven is a good role model. She can see the future, which makes for klutzy situations. <laughs> Overall, she's a conscientious teen who's very involved with her family and friends. Raven's focus, like many teens, is on clothes, shopping, and boys but not excessively. The show has typical teen dating, flirting, and crushes, but no sex. Families can talk about Raven's psychic powers. The series treats her ability to see the future as quite plausible as opposed <laughs> to make believe, and younger kids may be confused. How do kids think they'd cope with similar ability? Would it be fun or problematic? <laughs> Families might also talk about what makes Raven such a positive role model.
0: Okay, uh, that, that, makes say, <laughs> that makes me want to say that makes me want to say two things. The first thing has to do with what parents need to know. I would push back on the stereotype that many teens focus me is too. on clothes, shopping and boys. I feel like boys can fit in there, but clothes yeah. and shopping, I don't think that's actually real. And then the second thing is about the psychic powers. I feel Three like psychic powers. RE psychic powers, <laughs> unless I missed something major, like they like really don't delve into basically any of the logic around the psychicness. I love that. Like I wish there was even like a little bit more.
1: It's like in something that they dealt with off-screen, like before the show even starts. Because as we'll talk in the second half, it's like Everyone knows and this is normal. It's not a secret. Everybody just knows yeah. that Raven has visions and they're always right. <laughs> like it's just funny.
0: Getting into the cast. Okay, I did a shitload of stuff on Raven's Simonier because she's like a very interesting figure. Extremely. I could have I could have done like way more research on her, but I figured that Audrey, you would probably have things to add also as we went along. I'm just going to start with like the facts. So Raven like entered the American mainstream by playing the role of Olivia on the Cosby show. She was like the cute little kid on the Cosby show. Then of course continued that legacy with That So Raven and now Raven's Home. But she also of course was in the Cheetah Girls, Kim Possible, Princess Diaries 2 and Xenon and Xenon. Also, I discovered that, like, between her Cosby era and, like, That's So Raven era, she did a couple songs, and she had this music video to a song called With a Child's Heart, and she's, like, hip-hop dancing in an alley, talking about how she loves someone with a child's heart, and it's really creepy-seeming. It's like a sassy hip hop banger and she's talking about loving with a child's heart. I just don't like that. I I also discovered in the process of looking at her credits that she was in this lifetime original movie in 2007 called For One Night. So the concept of the movie is that she lives in Louisiana and her high school Has had segregated proms for like the entirety of the existence of the high school. And I tried to find a trailer for it. And the first video I found was, like, exterior of a Southern plantation-looking house with, like, a gigantic lawn jockey in the front yard. And then it was, like, all these white Southern parents talking about how, like, segregation is a good thing. And this is not set in the past. This is set in 2007. It just seems extremely bizarre, and I have a link to the full movie in our notes. And I feel like it would be a really good episode if we decided to go there because it seems really interesting. If you guys have seen For One Night, please let us know because it doesn't even seem like something real. Raven starred in Sister Act on Broadway in 2012, which I didn't know. And now she's on Raven's Home and she hosted uh, or she co-hosted The View for a year. Now she's almost more of like a public personality than an actress. So here are just some... Facts about Raven, some interesting things that have happened involving her. So she is a lesbian and she kind of falls into like the Ellen DeGeneres pride figure type in that like... (sighs) Audrey's scrunching her face in that she's not universally beloved by the community. She's kind of polarizing. A fun fact about her is that she was a guest star on the first episode or second episode of RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars 2 and has single-handedly been credited to be the reason why Adore Delano dropped out of the competition. When
2: critique started, Adore said to Raven, quote, I loved you on The View, to which Raven swiftly responded with, well, you're not gonna love me after this.
0: So she was also the co-host of The View for a year, as I said, um, which did not go without controversy. For example, she got a lot of shit because in a segment on The View, they were talking about judging people based on their names. And Raven said that she would never hire someone named Watermelon And her whole relationship to race is, like, really, really, really interesting. And obviously, like, we're two white girls, so we're only going to be able to bring as much nuance to that conversation as is possible for us. Another interesting thing. So when Raven's Home came up and they revived the show, Disney offered to make Raven a lesbian. And this isn't a controversy. This is just an interesting thing. She said no and basically was like, Raven is a cis straight woman, and that's okay. Like, that's just who she is. Now, Raven has a podcast with her wife, Miranda Pierman-Madei, Midday, is a white woman, just as a side note, and was just like a regular person before she met Raven, as far as I can tell through my research. On that podcast, Raven has said that she believes that she's psychic as a real-life person. Interesting. I would, too, if I was in her shoes. <laughs> a big thing with Raven is, like, you hear her talk a lot about her weight and how she was hyper-scrutinized by Disney. She talked about how she wore, like, three sets of spanks at the same time when she was a teenager. Apparently, she also got two breast reductions before she turned 18, Her body was just, like, a big point of contention for people. Also, as you guys know, the It's Raining Teens magazine cover, I found this interview of her talking about how she was, like, so shocked that they wanted her to be on the cover for that and that all the other girlies were, like, in their little tiny outfits and she felt insecure about it. She's just lived, like, a really interesting life, even if she is polarizing and... I appreciate her existence. I mean, literally, she started on The Cosby
1: Show. Right. She has been through a lot, (laughs) a lot. Yes. Of different cultural moments and people using her as a scapegoat for like a million conversations. Like how annoying that must be. Yeah. Like you had to have a pretty tough, a pretty thick skin to do that.
0: Okay, next on this cast is Orlando Brown as Eddie Thomas, best known for Major Pain, 13, Safe Harbor, That's So Raven. He was on Raven's Home for a second, but then had like a very hard fall from grace. I don't really feel the need to get into the details. You can look it up if you want to, but like drugs, arrest, child star shit. You know, Mm -hmm. you could guess. Next, we have Annalise Vanderpoel as Chelsea. She was in the Bratz movie. But moreover, Annalise is like such a musical theater girl. (laughs) She was the last Belle in Beauty and the Beast on Broadway, which I found to be really cute. I just love her. And then also, do you remember her Disney Channel song, A Day in the Sun? (laughs) And then we have Kyle Massey as Corey Baxter. He's also in Life is Rough, Corey in the House, which of course is the That's So Raven spinoff, and recently was in the show Millennials. Also, he sang the theme song for the cartoon Ying Yang Yo, which I forgot existed until this very morning. Then we have Rondell Sheridan as Victor Baxter, a.k.a. Dad. He is also in Raven's Home and Minor Adjustments. And honestly— Corey in the house. Oh, yeah, of course. And Corey in the house. And weirdly, he didn't have that many credits. So I don't really know what his T is, but I really like him in this show. So thank you, Rondell. And then lastly, we have Takea Crystal Kama as Tanya Baxter, a.k.a. Mom. She was on Cosby, so not the Cosby show, but like the one after that for a ton of episodes. She was the only woman to star in all five seasons of In Living Color. Fun facts, she won Miss Black Illinois and was first runner up in the Miss Black America pageant. And in her time on In Living Color, she wore her hair naturally, which was like very rare for the time and is revered as a natural hair icon among black women. Memories of this show, this show started when I was in second grade, actually, and I remembered it being like a lot more annoying than it actually is. I went into this being like, I'm not going to enjoy watching it. And that is not the case. What? I think it's just like the catchphrasification of Disney Channel, like how they made her say like "Oh snap!" by the end. I love it. That stuff always was corny to me. I just couldn't take it.
1: There's elements to my sense of humor that I genuinely do think got some of their bearing from "That's a Raven." Like, yeah, it just to me that sh- the show is like everything. Like it was probably my favorite to watch. Ooh on Disney Channel, like more than more than any other. But I've been rewatching it recently with Hunter. And what we realized is that we kind of don't remember season one that much, but season three, like the, you know how they would change the edit for the theme song? Yeah. The season three theme song edit is the one that I had ingrained. So I think that is the season where I really checked in. I mean, I, I feel like all the memories and stuff are just going to be things we talk about in the second half.
0: For some reason, I associated Chelsea with, like, you. I don't really know why, but... She's so dumb, though. <laughs> I know. That's why I don't know why I tie them together. But, okay. So, I guess we'll just save most of our memories for the second half because they'll just come up organically. So... Yeah. You can watch all of that So Raven on Disney Plus. That's what we both did. Be right back.
2: You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story.
0: Welcome back. It is time to talk about our little tour through the wild world of That So Raven. So we started with the pilot episode, which aired on January 17th, 2003. It was called Mother Dearest. The synopsis is Raven's big mouth earns her a parent-teacher conference after school. What do we think about this one?
1: So um, immediately in the first scene, I was like, if you handed this material to other actors, it the degree to which it would be as such, a, it would be just a completely different show. Like, I know that sounds like yeah. an obvious statement. It is very rare to find young actors who are so clear about physical comedy and t- like tone. Yeah. Like, it, it usually, that's why there's an entire genre of Disney Channel acting. It can be very basic.
2: And yes. just like
1: the nuance brought from second one, like the first second of the show, she knows exactly what she's going for. And it's just perfect. Like, I think it's so genuinely funny compared to other DCOMs.
0: Not DCOMs, yeah. Disney
1: Channel shows.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think. That even when I was a kid, I had some sense of the fact that she was almost, like, overqualified to be in the position she was in. Like, she was just such a pro already and, like, almost like a stage actress in how big she made things. And I always appreciated that about her. I kind of thought she was a ham at times.
1: And also, like, she was a young person who was... I'm sure extremely tired and like literally tired. So she definitely probably went on autopilot a lot. And that's where you start to get those more like canned type of performances. Yeah. Where she's just like, oh snap, oh snap, oh snap. snap."
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, also the writing is not really spectacular. So I'm sure. I think it's good for a Disney show. The thing is, I don't have that much to compare it to because I don't, I haven't watched any like contemporary Disney stuff like ever.
1: Again, I love to bring up, I love to get on my soapbox about situational comedy, but they are pretty good at setting up comedic situations for her to react to instead of like a verbal punchline
0: Like, I think with, like, Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, for example, everything is really contingent upon, like, living in a hotel and, like, the ensemble cast.
1: Well, it's just, like, it's very much, like, zany random. So much of the humor on our children's shows when we were kids was, like, random dancing, stuff like that. Like, let's bring in the most obscene thing we can think of and try to laugh based off the shock instead of laughing based off of this is, there's, like, dramatic irony or something. Yeah,
0: She's just a funny performer. Her facial expressions alone. I think the pilot does a really good job of setting up that a big part of the show is going to be about, like, disguises. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I really enjoy how much... They clearly trusted Raven to like pull off a prosthetic throughout this entire thing, and how clearly she did not feel like. Imagine putting Miley Cyrus in like a legit prosthetic man, like in man drag. Like, I don't know if anyone else could possibly have been as comfortable as Raven clearly was, Mm -hmm. just like having fun with it.
1: Yeah. And being that age and having that level of ability is kind of stunning. Yeah. Like, there is not a young person today who, I mean, they do exist, obviously, but, like, not one that I can think of that is currently famous as a a young adult or a teen who would have that level of freedom because social media adds a lot to that. But, like— the, pers- the whole thing of self-perception and self-consciousness, like, those are the years when all that stuff is forming. And so for her to be so carefree is, like, or at least outwardly carefree is, yeah. like, really impressive. I feel like she just had this sense of responsibility that was, like, far higher than just herself. Like, it was, like, it's ca- it's literally named after her. So, like, yeah, she knows she has to perform.
0: yeah. She was listed as a producer by the end of the series, yeah. so she definitely stepped into her power.
1: Something I want to talk about yes. is the fact that they started the show on handheld is really interesting. Like I noticed they, that, too. When they first walk into the hallway, it's handheld, and I was like, yes. "Oh, Yes.
0: That's cool.
1: Um, also, okay, you know how we always talk about how little brothers in shows, they're always, like, plotting and, like, evil for some reason? Yes. What, why is it that every little brother has to be evil and plotting? Like, I don't, I actually think we should reconsider <laughs> that. Not well, that I have a little brother, but there are other kinds.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's also, if you think of Megan from Drake and Josh, she was scheming yeah. too. I think the like pesky little sibling thing for some reason is like a real standby trope. It is. Is it a misrepresentation of little siblings?
1: I don't know. Kind of. But, like, by the time the show ended, it seems like, based off what I saw in the rewatch, that Corey also had some of his own storylines. Yeah. Um, so that's good. I just feel like as long as, long as they get their own storyline every once in a while, like, it's fine. But just, like, I don't know. I wasn't evil or plotting I wasn't no, plotting.
0: You were the opposite. You were exposing plots left and right.
1: Yeah. Like, I feel like we need that re- that kind of sibling representation where it's, like, <laughs> not adversaries, I guess.
0: You know what represents that perfectly is freaks and geeks. That's good sibling representation for that sure.
1: Is, yeah, that is good. Because it's, yeah. like, it's not like you're. they treat each other perfectly, but they do have like authentic moments with each other where it's like yeah. we're human beings like you can kind of s- step out of the younger or older sibling role and just be like yeah you're going yeah. through something or whatever
0: yeah Josh and I are watching that show right now and he has an older sister and he was saying Ooh, that he feels like yeah. that's the most accurate older sister younger brother representation he's I, seen
1: I honestly think it is yeah Like, Judd Apatow must have an older sister because it's, like, it's really good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, agreed. I really, as a viewer, and this runs through the entire show, and we're going to come back to this in uh, the episode about race. The entire show, I'm, like, They're kind of acting post-racial, but like they are this black family and you're like waiting for there to be like more of an in-joke or like more black culture infused into it. But like it's the Disney Channel, so they kind of won't go there. But then if you even think of like the Proud family, they have done it before. I just feel like this show occupies a really strange pocket in like the black family show landscape because it's on Disney Channel.
1: It was just like huge progress though, for Disney yeah. Channel. Yeah. And yeah. honestly, what something we've talked about in the past, I'm not sure how it compares to their programming this year or like in the past few years. I feel like their level of black programming went way down for a long time. Yeah. There, there was like a golden age and Raven had a huge part of that. Like because yeah. she she proved to these, you know, old white guys basically that there was huge demand and popularity for black led shows, both family shows and standalone. Like I feel like Raven Gave way for True Jackson VP
0: and mm-hmm. gave way to um, Zendaya also. That's interesting. That also just reminds me of how, like, on Nickelodeon, they had, like, Keenan and Kel and all that. Mm-hmm. And, like, Lil' Romeo and all those shows. And I think they had Taina also. Should we move on to the next one? I feel like we didn't really say that much about the episode itself.
1: Well, it's really just an intro to the characters. Like, nothing, nothing True. all that notable happens, but... What is notable is that Chelsea is not in it.
0: I tried to look up why and I did not discover it.
1: Yeah, I I have a feeling that if I were to guess that Chelsea was not a character in the initial pilot and she was not, well, obviously she wasn't, she's not in it. Like her entire character was not, it was not going to be a friendship trio. But my guess is that after they filmed the pilot and did like audience testing or got executive feedback or something like that Mm. I bet you that they wanted like to throw a bone to the white girls type of thing like do you know what I mean like like as a as a attempt to get more people to watch I just have a feeling that that is
0: true it would make sense
1: which I think would also explain why they chose to characterize Chelsea the way they do. Because yeah. they make her selectively dumb. <laughs> like yeah. Sometimes she's really dumb and then other times she's acting like any other person her age. I don't know. <laughs> the other thing is that they all look way older
0: <laughs> than they're supposed to I had to that be. same thought. Yeah. I was like, this does not look like, they don't look like children. Like, at all.
1: Annalise Vanderpool has always looked 27. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Like, from day one, 27.
0: I also wonder if maybe the original idea was that, like, Eddie and Raven would have, like, a will they, won't they? Yeah. Dynamic. Yeah. And maybe they tried it and it was just, like, too weird. <laughs> well, you know what?
1: Like, watching the pilot, I was like, obviously you miss what you know will be there later. But I was like, I do I do miss Chelsea because even like the relationship between Eddie and Chelsea can be entertaining. The relationship between all of them together and individually can be entertaining. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess without Chelsea, they just would have been forced into a will they won't they and maybe they didn't want that.
0: Okay, now on to the next episode. Season one, episode 18, If I Only Had a Job. It aired on September 12th, 2003. Raven has a vision of her dad, Victor, getting fired by his new boss. So she goes down to the restaurant to prevent the vision from coming true. When is she gonna learn that that's not how it works? When that fails, she comes back disguised as a famous pop star and throws a loud tantrum in the restaurant, complaining about the poor quality of the food since Victor left.
1: Why was this one that we watched
0: though? I'm just curious. Okay, because to me, I always think about the the musical number. Yeah, yeah. Which is since Victor left, the food's no good. Since Victor left, the food's no good. And then there's like a random gospel trio that just appears out of Victor nowhere. Left. Since Victor left, I also thought it was funny that they talked about the Wizard of Oz so much and, like, didn't acknowledge the Wiz, which, like, of course they Mm -hmm. wouldn't acknowledge the Wiz, (laughs) but that was funny to me. Oh, and then also at the end where you kind of get one of the first glances into Raven's fashion design ability with Scarecrow from the hood, which made me laugh, and I also was like, I can't believe they put that in there, (laughs) and Chelsea's witch outfit. And and then there's the studio audience that's like, ooh, aka not a real studio audience, but a sound effect of a studio audience. I appreciate that Eddie is in the drama
1: club. Same. Shout out to Eddie for not being too manly to be in the drama club. And... Also, I love when Chelsea, when they're in their fake celebrity disguises, (laughs) um, I love when Chelsea goes, do you carry a lunchbox? (laughs) Do you carry a lunchbox?
0: (laughs) Like I knew it was coming and I was like, oh God, here comes that one line. It works for me, it just does. I'm glad it works for you. Here comes one of the deep ones. So, season two, episode eight, That's So Not Raven, premiered on October 3rd, 2003. Raven enters a fashion contest and is told that she can't model her own designs because she doesn't have, quote, the look. But of course, that doesn't stop her. Meanwhile, Corey and William try to raise money for an expensive new video game. This is an episode that very much went down and I think all of our collective histories I have some interesting information just about the approach to size on that so raven in general but before we get to that I feel like we should just talk about like our impressions of the episode overall um
1: I definitely remember it from childhood because like sometimes on that So raven they just talk about some real shit and it's like jarring because you just watched like five episodes of the dumbest thing you could possibly come up with and then and then you get like educated randomly yeah (laughs) and it just feels good like it's very um it captivated me always
0: not believe that the name of the model was emacia be less subtle be less subtle kids won't know that i know (laughs) <laughs> that was really funny to me. I thought Raven's hair looked amazing in this episode. Mm-hmm. Me that was too. like the first thing I wrote down. I wrote down. that down too. And then this is just a side note. Why was like loving shoes such a like a thing back then?
1: <laughs> I don't know, but I miss that. Can we bring that back? Can we have that again? <laughs> like a love for shoes. And just yeah. being like out and proud about your love for shoes, like yeah,
0: love is love, even when also, it's for she shoes. Also, she had
1: great shoes. She always had great shoes on. She That's always true. had flare jeans and pointy toe heels and like the best little
0: jacket you've ever seen. So, yeah. I missed that. Fitted, yeah, very fitted. We're kind of supposed to think this. I don't know. I feel like back in the day, like, in my mind, I was like, oh, it looks better on Amacia, But, like, it looks good on Raven, too. But now when I look at it, I'm like, it, it looks, looks better, better on Raven. Raven.
1: But I don't you think they would do that on purpose, right? I mean, it kind of yes. needs to also
0: look That's better. That's true. I was, like, very, very, very surprised at how small she was. Like, if that was supposed to be, like, big at the time, like, the photoshopped version of her body really isn't even that much smaller. That really puzzled me. And it also reminded me just of, like, the days where, like, photo retouching was, like, this big scandalous thing. And now it's, like, you can do that on your phone. Now everybody just does it. Yeah. Now it's, like, the most accessible thing in the world. And then at the same time, when they kept being like, you're supposed to be a size two. And then they like bring like Chelsea gestures to like the the pole, like the light pole. And it's like, that's yeah. a size two. And I'm like, Annalise Vanderpoel, what <laughs> size are you? I just found that to be strange too. Like, you're never going to catch me talking about skinny shaming. But like, I just think it's really risky to ever be that specific. To
1: illustrate it so clearly. Yeah. I don't know. I you could, I could go either way on that because are you spoon feeding it to the children who it had not occurred to yet? Yes, you yeah. are. And that can be very risky. But for the yeah. kids who already were having those thoughts, I think it would be either just kind of no harm like like they didn't take it seriously anyway or yeah. helpful maybe but yeah i i i don't know i actually would love to just like know the data on that with children like because for i know from myself i didn't really give my i did not give a thought to my body until like way late like, very, very, yeah. very late. I just kind of, I did not think about my body, period, in any way. It was just, I think, I, like, I thought about my freckles and stuff. Maybe that. Yeah. But, like, uh, not, like, anything positive or negative. It was very blank. How was that possible? I don't know, but it was great. Yeah. <laughs> I literally don't know. I think because I was, I'm, I am was always a late bloomer anyway. So, mm-hmm. like, Things just occurred to me later with body stuff. And I also just like developed late, not to say developed, but everything was later. So I think Mm -hmm. like, and I was just so like unconcerned with my body. But that also comes with the fact that I fit into a standard very easily. I was always like super thin as a kid. And so if I hadn't been that way, I'm sure it would have occurred to me sooner. Like I would have had thoughts yeah. sooner, uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, like I just truly, on top of the fact that I w- was super thin, I just was like a floating entity. Like I, <laughs> I'm just, I just was fine. I was like, you I had pure no thoughts. Vibes. Yeah, yeah I, yeah, I
0: really didn't. Yeah, I feel like it was probably it had to have been like third grade or something. When I started to, like, be aware of things, which is really depressing. Pretty early. I will say, as an aside, one thing that I've noticed about being in Chicago already is that there's a lot of, like, extremely fierce fat people here. Like. Okay. Yeah, like, you don't really see that in New York. You don't really see it in Cleveland. I'll just say I went to a really crowded farmer's market and I just saw, like, a lot of really cute. Fat people with really cute outfits on. And I was like, slay. So all that being said, I found this little interview with some blurbs that I thought were interesting. So I know that I've seen things somewhere where uh, Raven would talk about how, like, they would try to dress her in a way that kind of hid her body or, like, wasn't as, like, yeah. loose as the stuff that other kids would get to wear on the channel. But I found this interview with one of the costume designers named Nancy Butts-Martin, and she said this, talking about the episode we're talking about right now. This episode alone held space and conversation about size diversity and how important it is to be able to exist at whatever size you are. Without knowing it, That's So Raven became a show rivaling fashion's consistent push that a size zero is the only body deserving of style. And while actors have often been instructed to fit a sample size – This designer strived to make sure that was never a discussion or topic on the That's So Raven set. It clearly was a discussion on the That's So Raven set. So I don't get why they would say that. And then also Raven just said that people at Disney said she was too big to be doing an hour and a half long concert, which is insane. And also that on the set of The Cosby Show, she was told not to eat food at age Mm 7
1: Yeah, I've heard I've heard that one.
0: Yeah. I think at the end though, it's a really joyful episode and like the ending is really fun and yeah. even Amacia being like, I don't even look like that about the Photoshop. That's an,
1: um, yeah, that's an important note. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: also she did look like that, you know what I mean? Like it, Yeah. It's not like there was a huge disparity between what she actually looked like in the picture. I don't pay you to think
2: this girl does not have the look. The look? Who says that's the only look? You make people feel bad if they don't look like that. No one looks like that. I don't even look like that. Because in case you haven't noticed, people come in all shapes and sizes and they're all beautiful. Tell it girl, speak the truth. Put that in your magazine.
1: Again, I don't know about their current day programming, but it seems that they will not touch anything of the sort today.
0: But there's, aren't there gay parents on Disney Channel now or something? There's been a few moments of gay identities
1: on the Disney Channel, but yeah, it's so sanitized, which obviously that makes sense. But I think what is more impressive than portraying an identity that is controversial is like, how do I phrase it, like, I kind of feel like being like, this person's gay on a on a kid show has a lot less of an impact than like this plot line that we're talking about. Because yeah. they're having to be really specific. It's not just this person's gay and then they have a bunch of plot lines that are irrelevant to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is very specific.
0: Yeah, so. it's about being discriminated against for being fat, which leads nicely into... Season 3, Episode 10, True Colors, February 4th, 2005, Black History Month, when this episode came out. And this episode is blatantly about racism. So Raven and Chelsea apply for jobs at the same store, but despite Raven's great skills and Chelsea's incompetence, Raven is rejected while Chelsea is accepted. And Raven has a vision that the store manager tells Chelsea. Someone that she doesn't, that she doesn't hire black people, as she says in the episode. The truth is, I don't hire black people. Oh, and then meanwhile, <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Baxter are uh, trying to impress on Corey how important it is that he learned black history. And he has to write this paper for Black History Month. And it results in, I think, the best dream sequence I've ever seen on a Disney Channel show. Yeah. Maybe even on a kid's show in general. I'm just wondering who wrote the joke when Raven walks out the door. Her family is like, Black History Month, learn your Black history. And then she has to leave and she opens the door and she's like, I'm Black and I'm history. And then walks out the door. Like who was sitting on that joke? Like, I want to know. Pretty good. Oh, I also, that when Raven... Has the vision about the racism. And Eddie's like, that's discrimination. Yeah. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> it's
1: very, Even, that moment is very PSA.
0: Yeah, it's very PSA, but also like pretty needed. So yeah. just I'm say glad it plainly because kids need to know. So yeah, they need it spelled out for them. I could not believe the ghost of Frederick Douglass. That was so funny. I also really enjoyed that Scott Joplin was in there. Josh is like a rabid fan of Scott Joplin, so we talk about him a lot. What do you think
2: about ragtime, Corey?
0: Uh, it, it's all right,
2: but it's just not my kind of music. Well, if it wasn't for this kind of music, you wouldn't have your kind of music. What did you do with our CDs? just trying to show you what music would be like without Scott's contribution. His ragtime music led to jazz, R&B, rock, hip-hop. Well, you get the idea. Of course, I didn't get paid like the stars of today. Let it go, Scott.
1: They were able to make it funny, inclusive of everyone in s- somehow, and yeah. educational all at the same time. Like, it's very yeah. rare that you'll find a show that is able to do that so succinctly. I mean, it's like between the Corey storyline and the Raven storyline, they got the history part and they got the, a a real life, um, like a real life racism situation storyline.
0: Yeah. Also, we can't disregard the fact that for some reason, the disguise Raven picks is, like, a bald older man who, so she, funny. who she decides is going to be, like, the manager of <laughs> sassies, like, yeah. the regional manager. And she's like, you do hire people of color, <laughs> don't you?
2: You do hire people of color. Don't you?
0: It's just so weird and funny. And like that was really true to the spirit of the show that I think it detracts from anyone who would be like, like this, this was a preachy episode. Yeah. yeah. It was genuinely really entertaining and funny. So, yeah, that dream sequence was beautiful. <laughs> I wrote down, not the ghost of Frederick Douglass because I was so amused.
1: Like, I hope they still show that to this day on Disney Channel for Black History Month. Like, it definitely Same. is the best example. Yeah. I'm, they don't have a better Black History
0: Month episode than that in their arsenal. No. There's just no way. No, it's not possible. <laughs> yeah. So. So, shout out to that one. Season 3, episode 14, Boys in Commotion, came out on March 11th, 2005. I could not find a reasonable synopsis for this it's episode. Boys so Boys in Motion, isn't it? No, the name oh. of the episode is called Boys in Commotion. Oh. Boys,
1: we are the boys in motion. We
0: this give is you
1: our Motion. boys. Sorry.
0: I had to. Okay, yeah. (laughs) This is what I wrote as the synopsis. Raven is starstruck when through a fortuitous turn of events, her favorite boy band, Boys in Motion, takes up residence at the Baxter household. While getting swept up in her own excitement, Raven promises her classmates that she'll get the boys to come perform at her school. But will she pull it off?
1: I mean, there's not like a whole, whole lot to say about this episode, but it is very memorable to me, like, And there's two other episodes also that we did not cover in this that are super memorable to me. One being the one where they find an excuse for Annalise Vanderpool to sing and it's like another dream sequence situation. I'm gonna insert a little bit of that probably here because it's ingrained into my brain. Won't be alone on my own in the home. And the other one is, and I have no idea where it is in the show, but the bedroom makeover.
0: Yes, 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 yes.
1: She had a floating bed on, like it was a swinging bed. Yeah. And that has changed my dreams forever. Like if I could have any room, I would have a bed that floats and I would have, you know, like, there was a floating chair in Cheetah Girls 2. Do you remember that? At the beginning. Oh, yes. Yes. One of them is sleeping in a in a chair that's hanging up from the ceiling. And I was
0: like, this is just the pinnacle of of interior design. Yeah. You know? You're like, pottery barn teen found dead. Like, where's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, I, I'm interior decorating now. And I'm like, when am I going to... When am I going to have the funds to hire someone to put some kind of insane, like, metal in the ceiling yeah. so that you could do that? Because you would
0: need to reinforce it with, like, steel <laughs> to be able yes. to do that. Yes, like, 100%. Yeah, I'm also in the, uh, the home decor phase right now. Well, kind of. Our shit is still all over the place, but I'm trying to make it work. This was a little bit, wasn't, don't you feel like this aired a little bit
1: after the prime of boy bands? Just slightly. Yes. Like, it's like a, it's like a send up on Backstreet Boys or any, any pop in sync or whatever. It was pretty dumb to have them actually
0: stay in their house. No, nothing made sense about that situation, (laughs) but they pulled it off, I guess the funniest thing, too,
1: I don't know if you noticed this, at the very end when Raven, Eddie, and Chelsea join them on stage. Chelsea is doing this, yep. like, crazy trick with one of the yep. boys in motion, like, this lift thing, yeah I, I, like, died when I saw that, because <laughs> you just know that
0: Annalise Vanderpool was like, yeah.
1: oh, like, we can do something fun here. Yep, <laughs>
0: yep, yep. I thought the exact same thing. I was like, she definitely was like, I did this in a workshop production like a few years yeah. back like, and the guy was probably lift. like yeah right exactly I had the exact same thought it was so yeah. funny oh I also felt like the little mean girl click reminded me a lot of bring it on this is such a niche reference
1: but yeah. um so the tallest girl I'm pretty sure that she's the one who can't walk in heels in the Bratz movie in that montage
0: Whoa. It's so <laughs> like minor information. That like fries my brain slightly. Yeah. I would have you, to check. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. It's like the soccer player? Yeah. Yes. I'm pretty sure that's oh my the same God. person. How many times have I seen that movie? It can't be more <laughs> than like five. The Rats movie? Did we own it? It was a van movie. Okay. That's what I thought. What are you talking about? So how many times do you think I've seen it?
1: I think we've seen it like 15 or more.
0: <laughs> all right, well.
1: But I do remember that like I wanted to watch it like more than
0: you for sure. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Okay, so really all there is to say about boys in commotion is what we said. And boys, we are the boys in motion. That's it.
1: Yep. Boys, we are the boys in motion. We give
0: you our devotion. boys. The series finale, inexplicably, it came out on November 10th, 2007, and it's called Where There's Smoke. Raven (laughs) thinks that Corey is smoking and her parents are MIA. I wrote that.
1: Yeah, I, you know, this is clearly a situation of we did not know this was the end of the show. Because I think they would have done their due diligence to, like, write a real ending. Yeah. Um, I was trying to look into it, and it seems that, like, it might have been a situation where they finished the season and they were, like, regrouping. Raven was probably trying to figure out her next move. There were talks about a spinoff, which is ultimately what happened with Corey in the House, because... Orlando, Annalise, and Raven were all looking way too old. <laughs> yeah. Like they all had grown out of the roles. And so it was yeah. just it was time. But I just wish they would have given them like a special or even a decom something. Yeah. Because that is something that they do. So I'm I do kind of mourn that.
0: But it's kind of nuts that they did that to like their biggest franchise, honestly. Yeah.
1: But they probably were just like, we gotta head right into this next show. Like, we don't have time yeah. to waste.
0: Also, like Hannah Montana dropped around that time, and I think that their, their focus like was changing. their focus shifted. Yeah, and it's so funny to end on a PSA episode.
1: Yeah, like why would that? Why would you end like the fact that th- th- their like magnum opus was about <laughs> anti-smoking smoking. cigarettes? Yeah. And it's, it is strange. I was kind of jarred by the lack of parents. We know that the the mother character is not on the season, the entire season. Yeah. But the father also is not in the, this last episode. And Raven is acting as though she is Corey's parent. I know. She's like, you got to do the laundry. You got to do this. You got to do this. And it's like, we're super out of nowhere. Yeah. Compared to what we had watched before, which was the Boys in Motion episode. Like, it was a completely, yeah. um, change, like, a huge change in dynamic. And it's like Raven is, like, 25 and Corey is, like, 18.
0: If we want to just, like, slide right on into if we think the show made an impact on the genre. Kind of created the genre in a modern sense. Yeah. It's definitely worth revisiting, I really enjoyed it. It's also one of those shows that you can walk around and do things while you're listening to it. Even though, obviously, the visual gags are really good, too, and you are missing out on some stuff if you do it that way. I think in terms of Disney Channel shows, do you think it's, like, the most impactful or influential, I guess? Probably, I don't know. I want to
1: say yeah. I want to say yeah, but she seems really happy now. So that is what matters. Yeah. And she seems to be in a healthy relationship and she seems to have like, like stability. And that
0: is truly the most important thing. And I think the show was just really positive and very like no mean humor, very like a, like a positive loving family a positive loving black family on the disney channel when we were kids just like there's no else it was all good no, it's all good and
1: i will continue my rewatch like i'm not done yeah. yet <laughs> yeah
0: it keeps going
1: normally i just want to stop rewatching or or stop whatever it is that we just yeah. re-watched I'm like okay I'm good on that for like many years or forever but this one yeah. I will watch yeah the theme song is the best to me best theme song
0: on Disney ever it yeah. has to be also the transitional music is really really good yeah. too yeah
1: that's my yeah. impression
0: that was a really good impression The vocal percussion really <laughs> took it there. I do also want to say, just as a footnote, I can't believe I'm gonna say this, but I think tied for First for me, I really like the Hannah Montana theme yeah. song.
1: No, it is really good. It's really it's good. It's really they, singable. They had the vision. Mix it all together. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the nee-nee-nee-nee-nee-nee-nee-nee. Shit, now I'm like, all right, we got to do a Hannah Montana episode. Like, Yeah, ASAP. we probably should. That'll be interesting. So that being
1: said... As always, you can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover-cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at twopinkproductions.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at sleepover cinema, and post a full video version of each episode on YouTube every Thursday. You can follow me, Audrey, at Audriana Leach on everything.
0: And you can follow me, Hannah, at Hannah Ray Leach on everything. Please join our Discord server if you haven't done so yet. The link is in the episode description and on evergreenpodcasts.com. You can check out our merch
1: at 2 slash shop. We have t-shirts, sweatshirts, stickers, and more.
0: And if you love the show, if you were a That So Raven girl, if you felt represented by Chelsea, share the episode (laughs) with a friend. And leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. The representation for the the dumb, dumb white, white girls. girls. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I've
1: I've been a Chelsea. I have. I We've won't all lie. been a Chelsea
0: at some point. We've
1: all been a Chelsea. <laughs> Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Roll Hoffman with theme music by Josh perlman Hall. Executive producer is Michael DiAloya.
2: Yep, that's me. I was gonna say the same thing. Yep, that's me. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies, big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction